Welcome to Breaking Form, a podcast of poetry and culture. I'm Aaron Smith. And I am James Allen Hall. For those listening for the first time, we do literary games. We revisit books that we love. We gossip. We do. We interview. We shade. We laugh. And we are not for everyone. Mm-mm. Welcome to Breaking Form and our Die Seuss extravaganza of uh, Galentine's. This is part two of our conversation with uh, Diane Seuss, who, of course, if you've li- been living under a rock, is the author of six books of poetry, including Modern Poetry, which is going to be out from Grey Wolf Press on March 5th. Of course, Frank Sonnets, which won the 2022 Pulitzer Prize for Poetry. So, Let's take it away. This is a fascinating conversation about power. Adrian Rich, I will say that as a 19-year-old poet or, you know, mind, developing mind, she was very important to me um, because of what she was naming. And I'm not even going to read the whole poem because we're going to move on. But <laughs> I will say this is a poem called power and it's about marie curie who you know the whole discovering um uh, radium or whatever the fuck and um so you know and she had radiation sickness she had cataracts and her skin and fingers were you know wounded and bleeding from Um, till she could no longer hold a test tube or a pencil, um, Rich says. And then the famous last stanza. She died a famous woman denying her wounds. Denying her wounds came from the same source as her power. Mm. (laughs) That stanza changed my effing life. Mm. First, there's the denial of our wounds, and then there's embracing that our power emerges from the wound, you know? You know, because before that, I think I thought my my wounds were, um, made me weak or vulnerable or, um, unlovable even, um, unself-lovable. And then to have this poem that said, the wound is the source of power. There, I was a therapist before I taught poetry. And there's a great book called Women in Therapy. And this line that has always hung with me, um, which is in every symptom is a seed of power. So say it again, say it one more time. Just, I just want to revel in it. (laughs) I know like bumper sticker Yeah. in every symptom is a seed of power. And when, when I had a therapy practice, you know, for instance, um, 16 year old coming with a terrible um, eating disorder, anorexia, to think of that in terms of an 
impediment, a weakness, uh, um, a, a sickness is one thing. To think of it as how can we talk about this and find the seed of power in this symptom? What is speaking through this symptom? And a lot of powerful uh, words flow from that symptom. You know, that's really, that's really like rocks it. That really tips it off. Or like when I think of that, I'm like, wow, because you yeah. don't think in those extreme circumstances no. of power. Yeah. No, I mean, you you don't think of depression as having a seed of power. But I learned to always think and ultimately get to the question, what is the function of this symptom? Yeah. What is the seed of power in this symptom? I I had I was anorexic in my teen years when I was like struggling with my sexual identity, right? Yes. Like, and I couldn't control my voice or my wrists or my walk. And although I practiced all of those things, um, <laughs> I sure did. You know, I don't mean like, to laugh. It's just the fact that she did a you did such a you did such a faggy hand gesture, right? I when you did. did I yeah. Love yeah. Love yeah. It. Yeah. I couldn't control any of that. It felt like, but I could control what I put in my body and it was. Powerful. Yeah. What you stuck, what you stuck in your mouth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that you resonates. know, I mean, uh, a skinny, emaciated body is literally bone. Bone is hard to penetrate. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a, um, it's a sonnet, <laughs> you know, it, it, it has a, it's a structure that doesn't let in the shit you don't want in, you know? Mm. And I mean, mm. That hurts. That hurts for for you and me, you know. But I love that. Like it's true. Like you know, our, in in your twenties and thirties, you see, like your freak flag is like, mm -hmm. yeah, is your radiator, is your power generator. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's interesting you would say that, James, because I also had the, I used to struggle with weight too, and it was like, why am I overweight? when I was trying, and it would be like, oh, because I can't stop myself from being attracted to men, but I can mm -hmm. stop them from being attracted to me. Mm -hmm. So culturally, you know, often in the, mm -hmm. in the communities yes. I was in, they did not want you. And then when I lost weight, I felt more afraid of men. I was like, oh my God, they, they're mm -hmm. just, you know what I mean? I can't protect myself. You know, I, need I have experienced that when I got thinner in my life, I felt fear. Mm. I learned after my divorce, that for every body type, you know, there are lovers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're not we're not taught that because, you know, fear of fat or fear of yep. whatever is so such a good social control mechanism, isn't it? Isn't it though? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and and keep it, you know, keeps us busy so we don't have a revolution. Right. But mm -hmm. once I kind of got over that, it's like, you know, that is not the issue here. You know, right. um, <laughs> man, I'm going to say like, you're a great, great poet. I bet you are a fucking amazing therapist. Oh, too. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's sort of like um, 
a chapter I don't talk about very much. I've always wanted to talk to you about it, actually. But like, but it's a line. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, huh. Um, I also want to be clear, too, that when I talk about weight, it's like I'm just grappling with societal expectations. I'm not saying one's better than the other. You know, it's like, but it's. But it's just so complicated. Yeah, but it's. I just want the listeners, if this makes it into notes, like it's so. We all have our journey. I hate that word, but we all have our sort of have to navigate this flesh that we're in with all the things we've been told about it, and to think about it and to feel about it by everyone else. But I remember I slept with this guy in New York, and I was working out six days a week and I was really skinny and he looked at me he's like oh if you if you exercised you could be a muscle boy and I was like so hungry <laughs> and I was so worn out and I'm like if I exercise <laughs> I could do nothing yeah yeah that was a Burger King your, night I couldn't crawl up your steps you know yeah so I went to secret eat later you know yeah, right. I, I don't know if there was a Burger King in Manhattan but there was a McDonald's isn't there always the if you only did blank yes you know you could be i what was it um oh when when i was in like middle school my best friend was was more on the conventional side and they actually had more money than most of the people in town and i would go to her house and we would like play around with makeup and shit that she could afford and she would look at my face and say if you would only pluck your eyebrows you could be beautiful mm-hmm. i mean i've never plucked my fucking eyebrows in my life mm-hmm. if you would only do this with your hair if you you could be beautiful you know mm-hmm. and it's never if only i could have a wider better vision of what beauty means i could see that you are actually beautiful in this moment right yeah or that you don't have to be beautiful right there's always something that has to be corrected to be beautiful you know the woman is perfected yep the dead body yeah thank you sylvia now i want to talk about gwendolyn brooks Mm. who i actually I got to meet her a couple times and um, no one will ever read poems like Gwendolyn Brooks read. It was, I mean, it was so transformative, just her voice. And um, she has this ballad of Pearl May Lee. And I mean, I took my son to the reading and he was little still. And I mean, he still says lines that he, that were like etched into his brain from listening to her. I actually have a new poem about listening to her. Um, is it is it in the forthcoming book? Uh, no. Oh, then maybe it should be on Breaking Form. <laughs> I'm happy to read it, actually. Yeah. The, the poem, of, well, so Brooks... Um, Brooks would, there's so much about her, but one thing is she would say things, she would take position, she would um, locate the speaker in extremely um, fraught places. For instance, her poem, Riot, in which the speaker of the poem is a white racist being swallowed up 
by, you know, uh, what he calls a riot, right, of Black people, you know, swallowing him. She and she never refrains from that position. She never moves outside of it. Um, or in the Ballad of Pearl May Lee, she is the the speaker of the ballad. Is a woman uh, whose husband had his eye on a white woman, and she is egging on his lynching because of his love of white skin over her own skin. These are fraught places to position herself, and she had the guts to do it. This is a gentler poem, but um, it, and, and I remember her talking about this poem. There is no right answer in this poem. There's no correctness. It's called The Mother. Abortions will not let you forget. You remember the children you got that you did not get, the damp small pulps with little or with no hair, the singers and workers that never handled the air. You will never neglect or beat them or silence or buy with a sweet. You will never wind up the sucking thumb or scuttle off ghosts that come. You will never leave them controlling your luscious sigh. Return for a snack of them with gobbling mother eye. I have heard in the voices of the wind, the voices of my dim killed children. I have contracted. I have eased my dim dears at the breasts they could never suck. I have said, sweets, if I sinned, if I seized your luck and your lives from your unfinished reach, if I stole your births and your names, your straight baby tears and your games, your stilted or lovely loves, your tumults, your marriages, aches, and your deaths, if I poison the beginnings of your breaths, believe that even in my deliberateness, I was not deliberate. Though why should I whine? Wine that the crime was other than mine. Since anyhow, you were dead. Or rather, or instead, you were never made. But that too, I am afraid, is faulty. Oh, what shall I say? How is the truth to be said? You were born. You had body. You died. It is just that you never giggled or planned or cried. Believe me, I loved you all. Believe me, I knew you, though faintly, and I loved, I loved you all. You read the line breaks, the, the, the <laughs> house fucking down on that. Oh, God. I mean, really, especially at the end, how she goes really long and then all, I think, is on its own line. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. I love yeah. how she refuses to be a spokesperson for either viewpoint, any viewpoint. And she said that. 
She mm -hmm. said, this poem has been used for both sides of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really represent either. I love, it's another rhetorical poem in, in a sense, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's working her way through trying to find, you know, the thesis <laughs> that can work. Mm -hmm. And and in fact, she kind of says, how how is the truth to be said? You were born, you had body, you died. I mean, there it is, you know, there it is. And after I had two abortions when I was in New York, that poem rescued my heart from being mm. artificially cold as a way of living with it. Mm. I I need one reason I came to poetry was I needed that kind of truth telling. Mm -hmm. I needed a truth where a voice was like, this is this is true. This is not yes. going to fit here. It's not going to fit here. And I do worry now that we are moving a little bit toward like, you must be here. You must be here. Like to see complexity oh, terrifies definitely. people. Yeah. And I just don't want to be where I can't be a hundred percent true, mm -hmm. which is complex, which is messy, which is runny, you know, runs over the lines. And, you know, I, and I love that because she just keeps saying so many moments you'd be like, Oh God, I can't, that's, she shouldn't say that, or she shouldn't, you know, this is mm -hmm. going to argue for that. Or, and I love that it's right in that space. And it's like, this is true. And I'm not going to allow you to mind control or, mm -hmm. or, you know, take over that for me. Brooks had the authority and carried it in her voice so that anywhere she needed to go as a truth teller, she could go, she would go. And there was no arguing it. <laughs> there was mm -hmm. no arguing it. Mm -hmm. And it's not to be argued. It's not to be argued. This is this is truth that I'm telling. This mm -hmm. is my my poem. You know my honesty. So go fuck yourself. I'm not discussing. <laughs> yeah. discuss <laughs> go fuck yourself. I'm picturing Brooke saying that. Yeah. Well, I'm so tired of this. Like you say something and then people want to debate the fuck out of it. It's like, no, I, I said what I said. Uh huh. Yeah. Done. Like, go ahead and have your conversation over here. But I said what I said. Mm -hmm. And I think we need more of that right now in poetry. I agree. In the world and the world. Yeah. You know, she's working through the nuances, the corners of mm -hmm. feeling, and there mm -hmm. is no right place to stand. You know, mm -hmm. there is no right. There is no perfect place to stand it's the mother third person yeah abortions will not let you forget second person she can't bring herself yet yes. into it right and then I when she that. i love that too and like at the yes. end she's like you know why should i whine i mean i've heard that i did that the this, crime is other I, than mine you know other than mine yeah right yeah but, i made this decision you know? I made this decision, but mm -hmm. it was in a way. In my deliberateness, I wasn't deliberate. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And love and you. And think about that as a model for our own truth telling, you know. And I don't, you know, when people call something like that confessional, I don't feel anything is being confessed. Agreed. Yeah. Something is being worked through. But. You know, I, I just said in an interview 
the bottom line in any poem is language. Language is the great leveler, you know? Mm -hmm. And so even with the fraughtness of this poem in all of her poems that are so fraught, she's rhyming, you know? (laughs) We real cool, you know, we skip school, we shoot straight. We, you know, Mm -hmm. even in a poem about um, young black men who are probably soon going to be dead, you know, look at the ending. We die soon. There is a rhyme in the poem. We jazz June. We die mm-hmm. soon. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so even with that, um, that short, the brevity of that just sharp cornered poem, she's still rhyming. She's still metrical. She's still paying attention. You know, if you, if the only way to tell certain truth is to pay attention to the poem, because otherwise you'll you'll cave in. Mm-hmm. Paying attention to the poem keeps you sane, you know, and honest. And honest. It's like mm-hmm. you know, take you know, it's like when you're in your worst. It's like, but I still have to take a shower. But I still have to do the laundry and walk the. Mm-hmm effing dog who's over Mm -hmm. there you know um (laughs) having to do things keeps you alive you know Mm -hmm. and those her craft is the ballast to her pain we think about you know these aren't our contemporaries you know what she was breaking through what yeah. What Gwendolyn Brooks was breaking through, what Plath was breaking through, Marianne Moore, you know, the modernists were every, you know, the male modernists were everywhere. And then she came, you know, of course she had to look like George Washington, <laughs> you know. It's doing it with no map. I think about it all the time, like Plath doing it was figuring it out was yes the yes the influences and building it adrian rich i mean i think of diving into the wreck it's like she was being as as we're talking as truthful as honest as clear mm-hmm. and figuring out how to write it and i yes. think that's that's what's so admirable it's like sure we can look and see someone now like imitates or is influenced by but like they really were like i what's this voice in me? How do I put it into language? How do I get it out there? And it's like, it's a profound achievement. Like, how do I do something that's never been done? Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the fact check. Yay. I'm Charlie Brown dancing right now. Uh, Ooh, I'm Snoopy dancing. I don't know what that means, but I'm sure. Oh my gosh, really? You've never done the Snoopy dance? I don't know if I have. You just put your like your head straight back on your neck and just like jump (laughs) up and down, straight up and down. (laughs) I had a boyfriend who would do it. Of course. course, Whenever I showed him of of course something involves you throwing your head back and bouncing (laughs) up and down. I mean, I knew it was gonna be, you know, adjacent to something like that. Yes. On brand. Yes. Uh, so there's not a lot to fact check in this episode either. I do want to say that Women in Therapy, the book that Di mentions, is Harriet G. Lerner's book, par- published by 
Harper and Roe. I've been thinking about what she said a lot. That that stuck with me in this interview. And we kind of went on a little tangent about other things, but it was kind of, I don't know, I think it also shows how poetry runs alongside of, of what we do. So I, yeah. I, that's one reason I left it in when we when I edited it, because I did the editing and that's why I left it in. Yeah, totally. Me too, actually. I I really think like how poetry is tied and inextricable from our lives, our mm-hmm. everyday, you know? Yeah. Um, we referenced Plath's poem, Edge, The Woman is Perfected, um, a few times in the episode, too. That's from our first conversation with Di. So if you don't remember that, go back to the Plath episode and listen more closely this time. <laughs> there will be a quiz at episode three. And yeah, and if you ace the quiz, you get to sleep with Aaron. Sorry, that's not much. <laughs> Literally just sleep side by side in flannel jammies <laughs> and a blanket. God, I'm like the worst pimp ever. Anyway, all right. So that's all the facts. Yay. All right. I'm going to Snoopy dance out of here. That's right. And stay tuned for episode three with Di, where we talk about Louise Glick and Lucille Clifton. Although, who knows when that'll drop. So just keep your panties on. Keep your panties off. I don't don't get to tell you what to do with your panties. We we will not dictate your panties. That's right. No dictation needed. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. If you enjoyed today's Breaking Form, review us with five stars on Apple. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Breaking Form Pod. And we'd love it if you'd support us by buying our books. Links are in the show notes. And remember, we're not for everyone. Go fuck yourself. I'm picturing Brooke saying that.